Hey guys, this is the Hacker Noon podcast. Today we have Bradley Camp with us. He serves as the co-founder and CRO at this company called Unstoppable Domains. These guys own Dot Crypto, and there's this fun fact about him where Vitalik Buterin talked in his uh, pretty much his courtyard about the ethereum protocol and the blockchain before it was a thing so we would be talking about how does dot crypto work how different is it from the dns naming system and joining us accord and joining us along with him is our software development editor arthur so without further ado i'd like to give arthur a shout out and give a brief introduction about what he does Okay, um, my first question will be about DNS and uh, how actually your company work with that crypto domains, because sure. it's first interesting question for me. For sure, and thanks for uh, thanks for for having me on, both of you. Uh, so, dot crypto is a, a domain registry similar to like a dot com. Uh, except that it is a suite of smart contracts launched on the Ethereum blockchain. It is not part of traditional DNS. Uh, and the whole idea is that domain names are stored by you, the user, inside of your cryptocurrency wallet instead of by a registrar like GoDaddy who can control it and move it around for you. Um, so that's the, that's, that's the key idea. Okay, and can you jump uh, into some details how it actually works, you know, when I'm like typing in browser, for example, like author.crypto and how it will understand where it should go? For sure. So the way it works is, is that, you know, with a traditional domain, you have DNS servers and you query the DNS servers and you get back an IP address and that shows you where the con and that that takes you to the content uh, the way it works with a decentralized website is you have your domain name your domain name is a erc721 token it's, a, it's an asset on the ethereum blockchain and then you sign a message with your private key and you associate an ipfs hash or a decentralized storage network location uh, we use ipfs because it's the most uh it's the, it's the most high performance uh decentralized storage network so you're storing your website on decentralized storage network. You're storing your domain inside of your wallet, but it's part of a suite of smart contracts on Ethereum. When the browser wants to go and find my website, you type, they, you type in arthur.crypto. Instead of going and, and pinging the DNS servers, uh, it goes and reads the Ethereum blockchain directly and says, uh, give me the IPFS hash associated with this domain, and then it can show the, the website content from there. So it's a similar process to the way that DNS servers work. You're just subbing out DNS with the Ethereum blockchain as the, the system of record where you go and you find your, your, uh, your content location. Okay. It's actually a very interesting idea and I think I read some articles on HackerNone about it. So let me put it bluntly for you, like how many people would be losing their jobs? Cause from what I see, like, I don't think we would need ICA double N anymore. 
I don't see that we would need a lot of these network managers because everything goes on the smart contract. Like once you guys are done, so who else is going to lose their job? <laughs> well, I do think that there is. So you mentioned ICANN, and I think ICANN's role is actually a little bit misunderstood. Uh, one of the things that they've done quite well is they have prevented name collision, and I think name collision is sort of a social problem. You know, making sure that you don't have registries that. Uh, they collide with each other. And so I think there's, you know, very much a role uh, for an organization to play uh, preventing name collision, because that's important for all of us to be able to functionally use uh, the traditional internet as well as the new internet. Um, so that's one thing. I think there's one category of people that may not fare so well in this world, and that might be things like escrow agents. Um, so if, any, if anybody's ever sold a domain, um, you know, oftentimes you have to go and put money into an escrow agent, but the way that it works here, you know, you could do a swap on the Ethereum blockchain where, you know, I send money to the smart contract, you send the domain to the smart contract. Once it has the money, it executes and does the transfer. So you can do a trustless transfer with anyone in the world in a minute. So that might be one little area, but I'm actually really joking. I think that there probably will be escrow agents too, because you're still going to want to bring money in from the outside world. And if you, you know, if you pay in dollars, you're, you're going to need to trust some, some, uh, some party in order to, to, to finish that transaction. Uh, I think what's really going to happen is, is that a lot of the traditional web companies are, are looking at the decentralized web and are excited about it. So registrars are interested in selling domains, Search engines are interested in showing results. Browsers are interested in resolving them. So I think a lot of the, the tools that we have in the traditional web are actually pretty great. Uh, I think the problem actually is at the protocol level right now that you know, DNS is centralized, that our hosting services are default centralized. And like those are really the problems, but the, the players involved could very much adapt to this new world. Even the hosting providers could offer hosting on a network like IPFS. So there's no, I don't see this as, I see this as the next iteration of the internet, but I don't know. I mean, in general, when we connect more people together, uh, we tend to grow the economy, you know? So mm -hmm. right now it's pretty hard for somebody, you know, in one random place in the world to be able to do business with a person in another random place in the world and be able to have everything work. But uh, I think when you have, when you open up stuff like this, and you have an open, more open, permissionless internet where you don't have, you know, you don't have to go and get approvals for 10 different things before you launch a business. I think you're just gonna wind up with more velocity of money, more money moving around, more opportunity. So I don't, I don't see a lot of unemployment as a result of this. I think, especially when we're all locked in in COVID time, like this is a sign that we all need to be going more digital. So like there's a huge, opportunity here for decentralized web because we can't do regular stuff. We can't go meet people in person and do business. So like we need to be doing more work with strangers. And mm -hmm. um, these are the kinds of tools that make it possible to do that without having to, you know, trust that someone's going to pay you back or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the decentralized web and what you guys are doing with the dot crypto domain, how different is it from a, normal uh, top level domain like we hear about a dot tech a dot com a dot co and then we heard about dot crypto so from from like what i have read i see that you guys are not a traditional registry so like what steps did you take 
to become different like did you still have to register with the traditional like dns systems or the traditional like registries icann that side of things or was it something that we are going to build something from scratch we are going to use 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 ipfs for it like how did you guys go about it yeah so we launched it we are attempting to also register with ICANN, but mm -hmm. that process takes years. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of steps there and it's actually not even open until 2022. So wow. there's really not much that we can do there practically. Like we launched this, you know, we launched this business in 2019. There really wasn't practically any steps that we could take there yet. Um, although we intend to, uh, the main thing here is that because it's not part of DNS, applications need to support it. So launching the registry isn't really the hard part. Uh, the hard part is the ecosystem. So mm -hmm. we needed to ensure that applications supported it so it's useful. And so that's what we've been spending most of our energy making happen. So mm -hmm. uh, right now, domains work inside of, I believe, 18 different wallets, including my Ether wallet and my crypto and trust wallet and many, many more. Uh, it also works inside of Opera browser, uh, Android only right now, but hopefully more soon. Uh, and so you can already, you can already start to see um, how it's going to work and how it's going to look and what a decentralized web is actually going to look like. And it's really just going to bake itself into all of the tools that you're already using. And then you're just going to be able to, to do new things because, um, because of, uh, of permissionless tools. So that's, that's the part that's the most important is uh, making it useful. You know, the, the, the kind of smart contracts part is, is hard. I mean, and it's not, I mean, it's not the easiest thing to do. You need to make sure that there's absolutely no errors, but uh, the much, much harder part and the thing that actually makes your registry legitimate is that people can use it inside of, you know, key apps. So that's mm -hmm. really the thing. Got it. And the way I see it is that like having a dot crypto domain like makes it simplified when we are sending payments because currently we have those 16 digit or 13 like character long, 32 character long like addresses, which are not the most use, user, user intuitive. I read this report where someone was saying that 65% people of uh, percent of uh, people feel that BPs rise when they are trying to send a transaction over the blockchain. But like now that becomes simplified. So what else can we do with a dot crypto domain? I'm sure that you guys have done your research as to you guys know who your focus areas are going to be, who your focus groups are going to be in terms of who to target first. Do you want to go after the people who have their marketplaces or do you want to go after the big guys first, like the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. What's the strategy yeah. over there? Yeah, so the first part of the question, the domain names are, they're like the gateway to the decentralized web. Yeah. So you have a domain name, I've got brad.crypto, you can send me money, you can send me up to 60 different currencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, whatever, all really? to this one domain, brad.crypto. Um, very, 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 very simple. And if you think about it, like, you know, it, that's what the user expects. Like that's how Venmo works. That's the user doesn't expect to have 
dozens of different codes, you know, with random characters that they need to interact with. It's not the user doesn't the user doesn't even understand why that's happening uh, unless they deeply understand how how crypto works. And that's not how the internet works. Like most people who use the internet have no idea how it works. Yeah. So payments, the regular internet doesn't have payments. So this is a new feature. Um, websites, regular internet does have those. But these are censorship resistant websites, websites that only you can put up or take down. So very, so that's a very new feature. And then communication channels, you know, just like how, you know, your domain name, you set up email, you can also set up messaging to your domain name. So I have grad.crypto. You can send me money, you can check out my website, or you can send me a text, all to brad.crypto. And so when we're transacting, you can ensure that the person you're talking to is the same person you're paying. And when you go to my website, you can ensure that the person that's showing you that content is the same person you're paying and the same person you're communicating with. So all of this stuff around phishing and scams and telegram impersonations and all this stuff that exists in the crypto community and the broader internet community today, uh, a crypto wallet with a private key signing in order to log in solves a lot of those problems. It can make us confident that we're actually paying and talking to the right person. So this is why we think domain names are so critical. It's they, they unlock all of these, uh, all of these things that you're going to want to do with the decentralized web. Mm -hmm. And in terms of our strategy, we're focused mostly on the crypto community right now and crypto first apps. And the reason why is because, uh, there's just so much to do there. And because uh, the people who definitely need this, who have this problem right now, are dApps, people, people building decentralized applications, because your value proposition to your customers is, um, I'm allowing you to interact with a tool that I can't, that no one can stop, that I can't, me as the company, I can't prevent you from using it, I can't... Um, uh, it doesn't matter if I get shut down, all of, all of these sort of elements. And it's true if you're a developer, because, you know, I can interact with the DAP, you know, or I can interact with smart contracts on the command line, but it's not true for the interface, for the front mm -hmm. end, because the domain name can be taken away, the website can be taken down, et cetera. And so you're basically, you haven't fully gotten there as a DAP until mm -hmm. you have this tech. And so that is kind of the, that's the reason why we think the crypto community is onboarding first. And so far there's been Kyber network, which is a DEX, Kyber.crypto, my ether wallet has my ether wallet.crypto. So you've got a censorship resistant wallet. Uh, these are the types of things we're seeing a lot of other dApps building. So these are the types of things that we're, uh, we're seeing first. That's kind of the first wave of decentralized web users. I think mm -hmm. the second wave of decentralized web users is going to be, uh, more activists, people mm -hmm. who are, or people who are just, you know, living under an internet that is, you know, heavily restricted. And I think mm -hmm. that's around two thirds of the world. So I think that community, the people who just can't use the current web tools uh, mm -hmm. the way they would like, um, that's probably the second wave. I think the Facebook and the Googles and those types of companies in the world are probably the third wave, the final wave, mm -hmm. because for them, it's going to be more about cost. Right. you know performance you know like like is this gonna is this cheaper than me storing so you know storing my data on servers that i control mm -hmm. or you know is the uptime good enough those kinds of things and i think that wave is probably going to be going to be last the onboarding of the traditional internet i think it's going to happen um mm -hmm. i think the decentralized web can do everything the regular web can do times 10 times 100 but it's going to take 
uh, a long time to see that shift. So that's why we're, you know, we're kind of laser focused on the crypto community for, for this phase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it. And I hear the word censorship, uh, censorship resistance a lot. And I'd like to have your, your take on the matter. Like we have all heard about the, the, the Silk Road and what's your take on it? Like, cause the way I see it is with a dot crypto domain, there is no shutting it down. They could be pretty much anywhere in the world with the help of Elon Musk, probably on Mars for like, for all you care, where jurisdictions are a bit like, let's use the word rudimentary. So how do you guys take, take care of that? Like, because you want to make sure that you want to be censorship resistance, but you also want to put a stop on some things that often public morality at large. Like, how do you guys take care of that? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think that the the nice thing is that uh, most people are not trying to do bad stuff. So most of the uses, I think, of, of most open technologies are actually, you know, quite uh, pro-social, quite positive uh, for the world. There are always going to be, you know, a small number of bad actors. I think they've already been able to find a home inside of things like Tor and whatever else. So they already, you know, the current internet hasn't really been able to, to prevent them either. I think that the thing that the decentralized web can do that the regular web can't do is that it's way easier because the base layer has no uh, restrictions. The base layer is completely open. Uh, mm -hmm. It means that we all have this shared base and then it's very easy for applications to cooperate on filtering. And what's definitely gonna happen is applications are gonna continue to filter. And the reason why is they don't wanna break the law. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why is they don't want to show things that they think are morally objectionable. And that mm -hmm. is absolutely the right of an application. So when we were talking earlier um, about how browsers will do resolution, uh, just because you type in arthur.crypto into the browser does not mean that the browser needs to resolve it. The browser can say, ah. I don't want to resolve that. The browser can say, I object to that one on moral grounds. And, and, and the cool thing is that because we can, because all of these things are being done relying on the blockchain as the system of pu public record is that we can share resources. So mm -hmm. Facebook and YouTube have armies of people that watch all of the content and then, you know, cry themselves to sleep because that's the most horrific job imaginable. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then they filter based on this and then they hide how it works and they don't, they don't disclose it because the truth is they can't stop it all. And none yeah. of them cooperate. They all do it in their own little, uh, their own little silos and they don't explain what's do, what they're doing or why. And there's no ethical judgment. Like what I think, what I think we would really want as a society is we would want the people deciding where the line for free speech is to be people who are more, um, you know, philosophically motivated to answer that question. So mm -hmm. maybe like somebody like the ACLU or something like that, that has a perspective on where the line should be. And then you can have a filtered list that applications share. So we imagine a world where, you know, ACLU has a filtered list, a list of things that they think are too far. And, and then you as an application can choose to read that list. But if you object to their list, then you could read from a different list. Uh, mm -hmm. Or you can create your own list. Uh, or you could say anarchy and, and let, let the user decide. But ultimately, 
it winds up being a user choice question. So mm -hmm. you as a user can choose what type of internet you see uh, and applications will set rules based on their perspectives. And we're gonna get dozens of different views of what's okay to say and what's not okay to say on the internet. And that's mm -hmm. a good thing um, because right now, if you know, YouTube objects to it, you're gone, you're off the internet. Right. You know, if the Motion Picture Association of America objects to it, and this is a huge secret problem that a lot of people may not be aware of on the internet, is that the Motion Picture Association of America is heavily invested in taking down domain names because they're concerned about people violating their trademarks. And right. they don't require a court order in a lot of cases. They have the personal relationships with the registries to be able to do this stuff. And that is not how the internet was supposed to work. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so if you have this, this protection where anything that is, that should get out can get out, then you can handle on the second layer all the stuff that we object to. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think that's just, you know, Hacker Noon has a filter and they should. Um, you know, applications and browsers and all these things will, will have filters as well. Mm -hmm. So I guess what we are going towards is a system of self-censorship. And what I want to know more about is how does that work in a real world setting? Like, for example, let's say that there is, there is a shock video, maybe by some terrorist organization or something that offends your sentiments. So that video exists. The idea of the internet today is to take it down make sure that it becomes very difficult to access that. Maybe you could use the Tor browser or some VPNs and get to it, but that's a very hard route to take. How do you take that, that piece of like video or that particular content down from the IPFS? So you can, there's obviously social pressure and things like that. You can't necessarily take it down if the people who are storing it don't want to. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is you can hide it from mm -hmm. apps. You can hide it from everywhere. And you can you will have the moral imperative to hide it mm -hmm. if you are an app, if you're an individual. And you will be breaking the law if you're not doing that. And this mm -hmm. doesn't change laws. Uh, it just changes the structure. And it's kind of like this question of, you know, should the tools make it so it's impossible for you to do something that could mm -hmm. be illegal? Or is that, uh, is that not the way a free society should work? Mm -hmm. Where tools should be agnostic and laws should be enforced. And I think that's the way that, that the legal system was working before the internet. Right. Uh, it was very, you know, it was very, you know, it would be a pretty rare case. You know, you would say like, I mean, it's basically like saying, saying to somebody, you know, well, you could, you know, you could do something wrong, you know, with a car, something right. to make, you know, cars illegal. Like it's, yeah. you know, it, it's basically the same idea. And it's, it's, it's very dangerous, not because of the intent of it. I think if, if the intent, the intent could very well be positive. The problem is, is you have to put somebody in charge. Right. So it's not that that idea is inherently a bad idea. It's that there's no practical way to do it. And we've tried this over and over again. You put some person in charge, you put some group in charge, you put some consortium of people in charge, eventually mm -hmm. that will become corrupted by the people in power and yeah. the people who want to use and abuse it. And so that's the reason why, and this is a question inside of security, you know, for security engineers for decades, is there any way to create a safe system with a back door 
And the mm -hmm. answer, I think, universally from engineers is no. No. There is no way to have a safe system with a back door. It doesn't matter who has the keys to the back door. Yeah. Um, and that's the whole thing here, is that there's just no way to do it safely. We're safer like this. We're safer in this new paradigm than we are in the old one. And uh, I recognize the fear. Um, I think it's well-placed, and I think we do need to be careful. But the moral imperative is on the other side. The moral imperative is to, fr is to free the internet from its current gatekeepers and allow the mm -hmm. world to use it like it was intended. That's the thing, that's the thing that's not happening. Um, mm -hmm. These bad actors are already getting through our current system. And I think we can do a better job with the decentralized web, stopping them than we're doing with the regular web. Preventing them. I shouldn't say stopping. Stopping is the wrong term. You can't yeah. stop it. Um, but uh, Mitigating. Yeah. Mitigating. <laughs> hiding. What yeah. you're really going to do is you're going to hide it. Got it. So let's uh, switch gears a bit. So yes, like uh, people can store certain things over there, but with your system, it's easy to identify it because of the ERC 721 protocols that you have in place. So could you tell us a bit about how does a non-fungible token work in the context of dot crypto? And we have been hearing about it for a long time, like what really happened to it? Like what happened to the ERC-721 protocol? Everybody was excited when CryptoKitties came out, but I guess only 1200 people were playing it. So mm -hmm. what happened over there? And like, how do you guys plan to change that? Yeah, so we chose to use the ERC-721 standard because uh, it was a standard that it, it works for domain names, um, but it may not be the absolutely most efficient efficient way that we could come up with, but it made things extremely interoperable. Right. So ERC-721 tokens, the ERC-721 standard has done a great job uh, establishing itself in a lot of different, a lot of different areas. So um, wallets, especially wallets with DApp browsers tend to have a collectible section, Coinbase wallet, Huobi wallet, Trust wallet, many other, many other great wallets all have this. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, ERC-721s are by default displayed. So mm -hmm. you can store your domain in any of these wallets and you can clearly see your list of domains. That's a huge advantage. Uh, whereas if we created a different standard or, or used something different, then that wouldn't be true. Uh, the other thing is that ERC-721s also work in decentralized exchanges in uh, secondary markets like OpenSea. And there's also a lot of others that are that are coming. So that standard has gotten adoption across a lot of these different areas. Uh, also, when we're talking to larger uh, larger crypto businesses like exchanges, uh, they have been very slow to adopt a lot of different standards. They adopted, you know, you know, they go blockchain by blockchain, but that's usually yeah. relatively slow. And they added ERC twenty tokens. You know, that took a little while. Um, now ERC-721 tokens are on their radar and they're starting to do some adopt, there's starting to be some adoption there too. But I think if we had gone outside of that standard, it would actually be, you know, a much longer journey. So that was the reason why we did it strategically. Uh, the market in general, I would say, is actually starting to get kind of interesting. I mean, domain names are, you know, a growing in big asset class. There's been, I think, 245,000 registrations that we've seen, um, mm -hmm. RTLDs just in the past wow. uh, 16 months. Um, there's also a lot of art stuff. There's a lot of really cool art stuff that's coming. Um, this whole category of 
uh, of digital art NFTs is getting, yeah. getting more and more popular. Uh, we saw Gemini Exchange buy a company called Nifty Gateway and get and get kind of deep in it. So we're st- we're starting to see places where uh, NFTs in general are that the market is growing, and mm-hmm. we're starting to see more trading tools for them. Um, so we're starting to see that market mature, and you know it's 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 definitely early, uh, but I think the art stuff is gonna be is gonna be the art stuff and gaming collectible stuff is also it's is also gonna continue to grow. I don't think it's gonna be just domains. Mhm, mhm. Got it. Arthur, like, do you have any questions to add over here? As a fan of the Opera uh, browser? Yeah, actually, Opera is pretty interesting topic for me, but. Uh, I also remember you talk about security and I'm interested to ask like, for example, marketplaces can be a huge thing for us and it can be a marketplace when you just sell goods or it can be some sort of freelance gig platform and how, how security will work for different kinds of marketplaces. For example, if it's something like selling goods, uh, I'm purchasing something and then I decide to cancel my order or ask for a fund or for example something goes wrong how, how it will be done so I think it's good to differentiate between you know marketplaces of digital goods and um, you know marketplaces of physical goods and you know a digital good you know for example a domain name um, or other things like that uh, you have it's a purely digital good, so you can consummate the transaction uh, without having to trust the other party at all. Um, and then any kind of refund would need to take place. You know, you would need to agree on that essentially. Um, but we can do our swap uh, without having to trust each other at all. So we can have, you know, you can have a pretty autonomous marketplace uh, operating on a decentralized website, and that would be a pretty new feature. Um, there's even been some, you know, talk of people, you know, building certain marketplaces and then um, throwing away the keys so that no one can shut it off, not even them. Yeah. Um, kind of crazy, you know, cr- crazy things like that. Um, and I think it would be possible, you know, the, the, the glimpse or the thing that I would, you know, point everybody to if you wanted to check out something, um, well, Kyber.crypto is live. That's a, you know, die ETH swap. Um, on a decentralized website so you know that's not exactly what people usually think of as a as a marketplace as you know that's a dex but um that sort of stuff works great if you're talking about uh involving the physical world then you're gonna have all of the problems around that you're gonna have do i trust you know did the delivery person actually show up with my shoes or you know were they defective uh these types of things and and there's not a I don't think there's a magical answer to that, uh, but there are there are some you know I'm sure there are some some ways that we can you know add assurances that we wouldn't otherwise get um, through through systems like this, particularly reputation systems. That's one that's a big area is you know you're able to essentially you know prove that you know this address you know is the one that has done you know this you know these previous sales and things like that. Um, so there's definitely some improvement that we can make there, but I think that with digital goods. You know, it's kind of like good to go. You know, we can have a pretty, you know, you know, a pretty trustless economy of digital goods right now, and that's 
that's part of the reason why you're seeing so much action in that category. That's part of the reason why you're seeing this whole uh, ERC721 token uh, NFT ecosystem blossoming because these are digital goods ready to go, you know? Um, just doesn't get easier than that. You know, if you're talking about from the tech perspective, like it'd be way harder if we were having to figure out shoes. I'm imagining something related to art and auctions like Satoshi, for example, trying to sell some good picture and it can be pretty huge with, uh, you know, applying crypto in this kind of system because it's very regulated right now. And a lot of people just trying to invest into some art and not even move, you know, this good. So it's opening a lot of doors, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Mm -hmm. And we talked about reputation systems and although like the Silk Road gets a lot of bad rep, but the reputation system, like every time you read about that, it has always been stellar. That the sellers always responded because it's on the blockchain and because every transaction can be verified on marketplaces like the Amazon. Anybody can go over there and leave a review. But over there, only verified buyers and sellers can do that. So yeah, that could be one of the ways by which we could take care of that. Now, coming over to your new launch, about which is like going to be on the 7th of July, I'd like to know more about like what you guys are going to do over there. Sure. Uh, so we are launching a decentralized chat protocol. Uh, it's called DChat. And the idea is that messages are stored on a peer-to-peer -peer network. Uh, you as the user control them, we don't. And mm -hmm. we're launching this out of uh, Mozilla. Mozilla has an incubator program called Fix the Internet. Yeah. They're trying to uh, improve all kinds of aspects of the web. They're very focused on decentralized web. Um, so we went through their program uh, over the past few months, and we're launching this uh, chat protocol out of it. And so you're storing your messages on a peer-to-peer -peer network. Uh, your domain name is your username. So whenever you log in, you're signing a message with your private key in order to log in. Mm -hmm. So no one is able, the messages are end-to-end -end encrypted. Um, no company can uh, shut off their servers and have mm -hmm. you go down. And you're not actually even reliant on any one company. Mm -hmm. So we're launching Unstoppable Chat using the protocol. Um, so I've got brad.crypto. You can message me. You can actually, you'll be able to go ahead and try it out at unstoppabledomains.com slash chat. Anyone's mm -hmm. welcome to grab a subdomain and send me a message, brad.crypto. Um, but the idea is, is that I'm going to have a shared inbox. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're also going to be launching with uh, my Ether wallet, uh, IM token, uh, and other partners. And each application will have their own chat app. And then my messages will be the same. So I'm gonna have the same inbox in my EtherWallet chat as I do in Unstoppable chat. And the idea here is, is that users don't need 20 different inboxes. It's actually terrible for the user, the way the current system works. And you've got 10 different ID systems too. So I'm talking, you know, I might be talking to you on five different channels. It's extremely insecure, it's extremely complicated, not at all what the user wants or needs. The user, if the user controls the messages, Messages can just follow them around in all the apps that they use. Mm -hmm. So you can have one universal inbox for everything that you control that's encrypted 
that doesn't rely on any of these companies. And even Signal, you know, the messages are stored on their servers. Um, so yeah. that's a vulnerability. Uh, and if, if that company were to go down or if you were to be blocked or whatever, you know, you could lose access to your contacts and to your messages. Um, that won't happen with, uh, with decentralized chat. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about chat, like we always think about like three of the biggest things, like it's WhatsApp, it's Snapchat, and it's Telegram. So how different like is the DChat protocol and the DChat system from, from each of these? So all of these companies are storing messages on their own servers. They mm -hmm. all have different relationships to encryption, uh, some better than others, but uh, they're always storing the messages on their own servers. And this is, this is the thing that we believe needs to change, mm -hmm. uh, is that you store the messages on peer-to-peer -peer networks, then you as the user are in control, not these companies. And right now, you know, companies can, uh, shut down, they can go out of business, they can ban you. Uh, there's all kinds of, they can get hacked. So there's all mm -hmm. kinds of vulnerabilities that exist in that system. And that's before you even talk about the fact that they're not interoperable, that, and, and I have this, like I have people that I'm talking to on WhatsApp, that I'm talking to, same person, I'm talking to on Telegram, talking to them on Facebook Messenger, talk to them over email, maybe we got one or two Slack channels, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And each time there's a different username. So I have to go and verify that it's the right person each time. It's mm -hmm. extremely dangerous. We've had multiple, mul multiple attempts to pretend to be one of our employees uh, over Telegram or something like that. Wow. And, 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 and people across the crypto community have had this problem for a long time. And when you have a way to verify by having someone sign a message with their private key, you can take those risks basically to zero. There's mm -hmm. no reason to have this problem that we have anymore. Uh, and I think the only thing that's been missing is we make it really easy for people to start using decentralized networks. And that, that's been, I think, the problem in crypto for a few years now, now that the protocols are so good. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to do with domain names. You know, Brad.crypto makes it easy for me to go and message somebody over you know, using the decentralized web. And, mm -hmm. and so that's, that's what we think has been the missing piece is, is it's just, just giving people something that they understand. So you put the domain name, store it in your MetaMask wallet or whatever, sign a message with your private key, log into chat, sign a message with your private key, up, update your website. Mm -hmm. Really, really, you know, really, really simple user focused things. Um, and that, that's, that, that's what we think the future looks like. Definitely. And we would be looking forward to such a future and like you have our best wishes for that. And I'd like, like also like to give you the opportunity to talk about the partnership that you want to have with Hakanoon for the upcoming launch. We are going to have an AMA session. And if you want to talk about certain things with the community, let's hear it from you. Yeah. So, well, of course, there's, there's hackernoon.crypto, which we're hoping we can, we can get, you all, get you all using. But in terms of the community, um, you can go and get a subdomain 
unstoppabledomains.com slash chat. You can go and get a subdomain. It's free and you can try it out. You can try out chat. Um, and so that's the thing that we would love for people to try, uh, use it, give us feedback. You can send me a message to brad.crypto. I will respond. Um, it works right now. Uh, and, and see what it's like to, uh, to, to, use, this, to use this new tool. Uh, I think you're going to be surprised at how um, familiar it is to, you know, existing tools, but at the same time uh, with this new, this new property of, of user control. So, and, and, and I think this is, it, it's a pretty big deal. If you're, if you're a WhatsApp user, you know, if you're a Facebook messenger user, like you're worried that that information is being used to sell you ads or whatever else it's being used for. You know, yeah. um, it's, you know, in a lot of applications, you know, every single word you say is stored on someone's server unencrypted. Mm -hmm. So that's not, that's not what we want as users. And that's not what we wanted as users since the 1990s. It's just that the regular web has not been able to give us what we wanted, which is control over our own information and privacy. So give it a try. Let us know what you think. <laughs> Thank you for that. And we'd also like want to ask you on the behalf of our community is that what if somebody wants to grab a dot crypto domain? I'm sure that we don't have to go to GoDaddy for that. What do we do then? Yeah, you can go to unstoppabledomains.com. Uh, you can register a domain. Um, just so you know, as far as chat goes, if you already have a dot ETH domain, uh, it works for chat as well. So you can log in using your dot ETH domain and you can send me a message. So you don't need to uh, you don't need to get a, a dot crypto domain in order to try chat, uh, but if you want to get a domain, go to unstoppabledomains.com, uh, and uh, you can check out. It works just like a GoDaddy, you know, where you, you know, you can pay with a credit card actually, or you can pay with crypto. Um, but it's um, you know, it's go into the search bar and start and start uh, start looking for domains. Perfect. Thank you very much, and we would leave all of these links in the description below for the people to check them out. And with that, we'd like to call it a wrap. Thank you for being on board with us, Brad. And if you have any follow-up questions, Arthur, or if you want to sign off, we could go off with you. Thanks so uh, much. This was pretty interesting. And I, I want to reuse email because I think my current email system is not not making me happy at all. It's not very productive. So I, I'm on board, really. Thank you. Okay. All right, then. Thank you for being on board, guys. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye-bye.